Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. Hey guys, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to talk about our membership program. Uh, we recently broke a pretty big milestone. We have over 100 startups and small businesses on the platform offering up to 50% off all their product and gear. If you're like me and you're always looking for a new uh, backpack or new gear for your addictions, whether it's skiing, snowboarding, camping, surfing, whatever it is related to the outdoors, you can hop onto this membership and peruse all of the brands. We're constantly adding new ones um, to really support all of your outdoor activities. We also have a number of travel companies. So if you're looking to take a trip, whether it's to Machu Picchu, South America, wherever, um, you can save on that as well. We also have a number of food brands, whether you need a new energy bar or you just need to, f- you want to find something uh, that's different and check it out. You can f- save while doing it. Um, you can also apply to become an ambassador for a lot of these brands. There's a ton of perks. So if you are interested in checking this out, head over to readyeddy.com slash members and get your first month free. Hey, Ready Eddy podcast listeners, Matt Delabono here, your host for today's episode, our 100th episode. I'm here with my partners, Josh Salvo and Drew Funstein. Say hey, guys. Hello. Hey. hey. So today we're going to be discussing the past of uh, future and I guess present of Ready Yeti. You guess? I guess. I guess I should be guessing about the future. Well, you wrote the interview question, so. Uh, something like that. <laughs> All right. So. Um, just to give you guys, uh, you listeners, a quick rundown, before Ready Yeti, Josh and Drew have been longtime friends and have been working on a couple of different projects, all within the scope of the outdoor sport industry, um, starting with building the first pair of skis, starting a ski profile, my ski profile, <laughs> <laughs> like a... Am I right? Right? Yeah, yeah, Isn't yeah. That, what, what, hey, I mean, that was, that well, was you guys, not me. Yeah, no, definitely. So in this episode, we're, the three of us are sitting down with a few beers, and Drew's drinking, what are you drinking, Maker's Mark? Maker's Mark. Yes. So the three of us are enjoying a few nice glasses of alcohol, and we're going to talk about the history of Ready Yeti and what got us to where we are now. We're going to be talking about the humble beginnings of Ready Yeti before Ready Yeti 2.0, mind you. There is a 1.0. Which is what we're doing right now, 2.0 for the clarification. Yes, for the clarification, 2.0. Josh. Oh, Matt. Okay. Either way, starting with the uh, building your first pairs of skis, moving on to my ski profile, Ready Yeti 1.0, the first rendition, which is, was an e-commerce platform. Is that correct? No. No, really? that's correct. Your, your, your facts are wrong. No, I'm kidding. You're right. <laughs> Sorry. I just wanted to make you uh, be like, wait, what? Yeah, that actually really did throw me through a loop. I was very convinced <laughs> that it wasn't e-commerce platform. <laughs> yes, not, it was. I'm not convinced enough. Um, cool. So that uh, uh, Ready Yeti 1.0, American Yeti, which is where I came in, uh, onto the scene, and Ready Yeti 2.0. So first, did you m- say yes, yes. Okay, sorry. Apology accepted. I have had a few beers, so I may be. Josh is drunk. Um, Are you going to leave that in the podcast episode? Definitely. Okay. Um, so, Just so you know, listeners, Matt has last say. So if I sound like an idiot and he sounds great, you know why. 
No, they can they can count on that. <laughs> that that's that's just coming. That's that's All right. that's on its way. Just so the list you're you're prepared. Perfect. Okay. So first off, and most importantly, how did you guys meet? Sh- should I answer that, Drew? You should. Drew's, Drew's yep. pointing his finger at me, so I guess I'll answer that. Um, I'll tell the the funny story because I, I like this one, especially when your mother tells it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Drew, Drew's parents and my parents um, are pretty close. They're basically best friends. Um, I put that in air quotes. So his parents and my parents were neighbors way back when, before we were born, in a town called Mountain Lakes, New Jersey. And so basically his mother, anytime we're together and people ask, you know, I don't even know what the question, how that even comes up in conversation, but your mom figures out a way to, to weave it into the story. It's so nice, basically, It's a nice story. Yeah, no, it's a nice story, but I don't understand how it would like be given the opportunity to be told. But whenever that situation arises, she's, she basically says, um, a couple days after you were brought home from the hospital, because I'm, I'm 18 months older than Drew, me, uh, me being Mrs. Funstein, Drew's mother, and your husband saw, thought he was so, so cute and adorable that we just decided that we should have another one. Another kid, and so and that's where Drew's existence came from. Which is Josh totally, taking all the credit, yes, exactly, because of yeah. cute and adorable, and was as a little baby. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, in in, in the um, I guess honest truth, that's not so comical. Drew and I became friends because our parents were very close, and um, we spent a lot of time skiing and. Going on, on ski vacations and summer vacations, whether it was in the Outer Banks, the Jersey Shore, up in Vermont, or Maine, skiing, Stowe, Smugs, and all those sort of places. And then I guess over time, we just kept, you know, spending a lot of time skiing and doing all these outdoor things together that we just became very, very close. Like, would you agree, Drew? Agree. Yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> sorry, I muted myself there for a second. I, yeah, um, I saw your response. I'm like, why can't I hear him? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, like some of my earliest memories um, of you, Josh, are like skiing or at the beach or something like that uh, with our families. So I, I can't really remember a time when I didn't know you. Me neither. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm sorry. We go way back, as they say. Yeah, we never. So I didn't add this. Drew's family moved to Atlanta. Was it right before you were born or? It was two years after I was born. Two years after Drew was born. So he moved to Georgia, like an hour outside of of Atlanta. And so basically from Drew's birth or two years old to now, um, we've lived in at least 10 hours apart from each other. So it's always been like, let's spend three hours on the phone together, catching up on all the things that are going on or spend three weeks together in Vermont or at the beach kind of thing. Long distance relationships, man. Yeah, nailed it right from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. practice makes perfect. Yes. It lasts. So, <laughs> well, also if me and Drew were together for like four months straight, I think we'd murder each other. <laughs> we, Long we distance actually, relationships. We, we almost did during during uh, the first version of Ready Yeti. That's true. Uh, I was living with you, and we <laughs> like I had to go home and like spend some time apart. Oh God, you know. Absence makes the heart grow fonder, as they say. Okay, so, so. this has been. Did a- you say absinthe or absence? <laughs> both, both work. You know, 
Oh man, uh, I hope we leave that in. <laughs> anyway, what? What are you looking at? Oh, okay. Hurry up, kid. What was the moment that you guys had your first entrepreneurial spark together, coming together, or at, separate? Oh, at the same time. Answer at the same time together. You, okay. So. No, 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 no. <laughs> Drew, Drew, Drew. All you take it. Uh, that's a hard one. Both of our parents um, started businesses, so I think that from a pretty young age we had uh, kind of entrepreneurial tendencies. But probably the first time was in high school uh, when Josh and I started building skis and snowboards. No, no, it was uh, before that. What was what was it? Remember uh, Nevaeus Productions? Oh, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah me we, too. We was- did. Yeah, we did a video production company. A um, video production company. We didn't actually get anyone to pay us to make videos. We made videos yeah. ourselves and gave ourselves a cool name. At least we thought so when we were 14. Okay, so how did that... NVIDIA? What? Wait, what, what was it? Nevaeus. Nevaeus. <laughs> it yeah. means snow in Latin. That's actually pretty clever. Is it, though? Because I, I feel like when you're trying to be really clever and come up with a cool name, you're like, hey, what does this mean in Latin? And then if it sounds cool, you're like, nailed it. Look, I... And that's exactly that, what we did. A name it can, is just a name at the end of a day. It could be nonsense, but if it sounds cool, it's going to work. True. You're right. You're 100% right. Yeah. Nevaeus. Sounds mysterious. So that was yeah, definitely we- our first like run-in with trying to like start some sort of entity. Yeah, we, we, uh, we made at least... Four music videos. Um, Ooh. See, yeah. now this worries um, me because if someone Googles Nevaeus Productions, I'm right now. <laughs> find some pretty shitty videos. Oh, my God. Yeah, this we're going to have to go delete that's... that YouTube channel yeah. right now. I actually was... No, you're oh, not. Jesus. Um, no, this is happening. The name of the company is actually something totally different. <laughs> <laughs> there yeah, may be true. a shitty music video to Bittersweet Symphony. Oh, my God. Something right. by the Pulse Oh, service. yeah. Yeah, Nevaeus, we uh, actually started that after we went to that tech camp at Emory University uh, for video production. Um, we made a few music videos, and that one video of Some us... Really crappy music videos. Yeah, that one video of us skiing with Glenn Plake uh, at Bretton Woods. Oh, uh, that's true. I, that video must be over like 70,000 views at this point. Really? Yeah, I think so. So for the listener that's curious and is a fan of Glenn Plake... Um, if you Google Glenn Plake, you should like the video will show up within like the first couple of options. Yeah, so that was basically our start, I guess, in having the idea of starting some sort of business. Cool. So, Nevaeus Productions that moved into building skis, correct? Two thousand nine, right? So we did the Nevaeus stuff in high school from like sophomore year through junior year, and then you had the idea of. Like, hey, we should maybe build our own skis. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it all kind of stemmed from, like, I wanted to buy a new pair of skis, and my dad said no, and I was like, well, what if I built a pair of skis? He was like, yeah, sure. Um, Thousands of dollars later. Yeah. Now, like, my, my, we have, like, a very DIY family, so uh, he kind of loved the idea, and I ended up using it as, like, a senior project in high school. Just a quick little, like... But in anytime I'm with Drew's family, we're either building a house, a shed, a greenhouse, a dock, something. 
We're building something. Yeah. A thing is being built. Yeah. Something, yeah, something's always being built. So yeah, we he loved that idea, and we um, yeah, we spent a lot of time and money building building skis. We did not spend uh, much money on it. I feel like the I beams, like you did use. No, we got them from a junkyard. Oh my actually, god, that's that's yeah, awesome. Like we just yeah, I, most like I spent maybe like three or four hundred dollars building our first pair of skis. Okay, perfect. Anyone want to build a, uh, that wants to build a pair of skis? Write that down. Get the I beams from a junkyard. No idea what the context of that is. So, well, the hardest part about it is figuring out how to move them because they're fucking heavy. Yeah. And then welding. Actually, no, the harder part is welding them together because if you don't know how to weld them, finding someone who does. Yeah, well, that's actually probably no joke. No, it isn't. And YouTube. like, you can you go blind from that. <laughs> you oh, do yeah. it incorrectly and without the appropriate eye protection. But anyway, Drew, I don't want to steal your thunder. Yeah, jeez. Um, yeah, so we built some skis. Um, I did a lot of the research and kind of um, got involved in the community. Uh, SkiBuilders.com has a great forum. Oh, yeah, so I, I got active in the community on SkiBuilders.com. And um, we kind of did a lot of the research, uh, put together some designs, um, and I built my first pair, and Josh built my first, his first pair around the same time. I think he might have beaten me by a little bit, um, but neither of our first pairs were successful. Um, I think Josh accidentally glued his to the ski press. And, <laughs> no, it was uh, deliberate. I did it on purpose. Yeah, for sure. On purpose. <laughs> Like um, and then I think mine were um, the core shifted pretty hardcore, so like they huh. were like half half skis. Yeah, so we uh, <laughs> built more. We built more skis. Um, we did that for a while actually, um, and we wanted to start a ski company. The name we came up with was Village Skis. Um, but that, as we were doing that, we kind of noticed that there were a lot of other small companies that were doing kind of the same thing, and then we're definitely further along and going to be more successful than we were. Um, so we kind of pivoted to um, our first actual real business idea, which was myskiprofile.com. Which is the worst business name ever created, but it was our first business. Um, so what is myskiprofile.com? Well, I guess it's what was myskiprofile.com. It was a... Uh, was it a ski profile website? Ooh, it sounds like you might have an inside... Uh, I, I may have heard of it once or twice. <laughs> so Drew and I came up with a brilliant idea. So this was 2010, 2011. So we launched MySki Profile in 2011, but we came up with the idea late 2010 where we wanted to create a website that had a ski finder, ski and snowboard finder, where basically you would fill out this um, questionnaire and based off of your answers, we would have an algorithm that would match you to the perfect pair of skis or snowboard for your ability, style, and all of that sort of jazz. And um, that's really what kicked off our first business. And it was an e-commerce platform that specifically sold ski and snowboard gear based off of how you filled out this profile. So it was going to be somewhat unique in helping solve the problem of consumers not wanting, wanting to buy skis and snowboards online, even though, you know, that was an issue back then, isn't so much an issue now. Um, and we ran that for about a year, year and a half. Um, and then we realized there was sort of a lot of issues with that. Um, it was just too difficult to get the algorithm down where it was generating yeah. skis or snowboards that were actually... You need a lot of data for that, don't you? Well, you need a lot of data. And then also we realized that people tend to lie. <laughs> 
you know what I mean? Like people set, tend to Everyone's inflate a, how good of a skier or snowboarder they are or like what kind of skiing they're doing. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like me and Drew, like a good examples were like, we're predominantly East coast skiers. At least at that time we were, and we would be like, we're expert skiers, even though back then we probably weren't. And I wouldn't even consider myself an expert skier. Now I'd say I'm like a really good skier, but not an expert skier. So like that comes into consideration and it's just like, okay, how much do you ski powder versus all mountain versus all the different sorts of terrain? So like, it's just very difficult to sort of calculate and accurately predict all that stuff. So it was just a flawed idea. Everyone's an expert skier on the internet. Exactly. Exactly. That's what exactly. I'm saying. Yeah, I could see that. That's, that's gotta be really, really hard to, to nail. I actually, in theory, that's a pretty good idea. It's a great idea. It's just we had we didn't we couldn't figure out how to do it. And at that time, Drew wasn't a coder. He didn't know how to do any of that stuff. So we had an outside person helping us build it all. So it was more so like us trying to convey to a person who's never skied or snowboarded bef- before how to build this algorithm, and it just it wasn't working. Okay, so moving beyond my ski profile, the, the grand success that it was. <laughs> um, from there. I think that after that came the first rendition of Ready Yeti, correct? This is true. We came up with the name for Ready Yeti, which for the listener that may be curious as to where the name actually came from. It was Steve. It was our friend Steve no, Shammy. It actually wasn't Steve Shammy. Oh, Steve was just it's It was our friend Steve Shammy. He, <laughs> he threw out the, the, um, the suggestion <laughs> Yeti. This is highly contested. To this, this is highly day. contested, but the real version is actually me and Drew were in my parents' basement. Uh, with like a few other of our friends, Stephen Candio and Jeff Montero. Shout out to both of them. A different. This is a different Steve that I'm talking about. Yeah, it's actually ironic. <laughs> There's two Steves that claim the. Uh, There's probably a lot more than just two Steves for the, for the name, but I'm going to give it to Steve Candio, mm. who uh, we were in my parents' basement and we were sort of brainstorming the idea of what we were trying to build with Ready Eddie, and so. You know, what was what was always very important to Drew and myself is building a community uh, and a business that really helped people get outside and participate in whatever activity, whether it's skiing, climbing, hiking, surfing, whatever it was, help them participate in that activity more frequently. And so that's where the name came from. Ready is the name of the Yeti. So it's R-E-D-D-Y instead of R-E-A-D-Y. Capital R. <laughs> Capital R. And so basically, Ready is your buddy who is always there to help you get out and participate in whatever outdoor activity it is, whether it's skiing, climbing, whatever. And so that's really the essence of it. And that's what everything that we've ever done from that point forward has revolved around, helping people get outside and participate in their favorite activities. From that point, we started an e-commerce site that exclusively sold American-made gear in the in the outdoor sport world. Right, Drew? Yep. Just uh, just that. That's uh, the whole thing right there. <laughs> literally, that no, that literally is it. Like we we started an e-commerce platform. We wanted to sell American-made skis and snowboards and outdoor gear for about a year or so, um, and then you know it just didn't work out. Uh, no, so, we actually uh, did that version for a while. We had that for like two solid seasons. We we learned a lot about how to market your business and how not to market your business in that time. And I know from you guys uh, talking to me about that, and keep in mind for the listener, I was not involved in this until American Yeti, which would, comes next. But 
Um, with Ready Yeti, I know that you guys have discovered a lot of other brands that you never would have known about, correct? Yeah, so this is this is really where the um, seed was planted for Ready Yeti 2.0. During this process, Drew and I became very close with a ton of small businesses and startups in the outdoor space. We built relationships with close to 50 or so brands, maybe a little bit more than that at this point, which really was, I, it was the catalyst for Ready Eddy 2.0 and gave us the ability to really kick things off just because we had all of those connections and people to really introduce us to other startups in the outdoor space. That's awesome. So yeah, Ready Eddy's humble beginnings. E-commerce didn't necessarily go anywhere. You decided to move on to American Yeti, which ended up being, the focus there was a media outlet, online media source. Yeah, so I moved, so halfway through Ready Yeti 1.0, when we had the e-commerce platform, I moved to Salt Lake City, Utah um, for a few reasons. One, obviously, was to ski a lot. Um, and the second reason was, well, second reason was to help build Ready Yeti um, and immerse myself more in the outdoor community and get to know other industry people. And, you know, during my time there, I met a lot of really awesome people who I got to do some backcountry skiing with, just really hang out with. And when I came back from Salt Lake uh, to New York and Jersey, um, and after we decided to shut down Ready Yeti, we, um, thought that, Hey, why not try and build a media platform? We, I, we know a ton of pretty awesome people doing some pretty crazy things in the outdoors. Why not have them write about their experiences and let's see what kind of media site we can put or put behind them and really see where it goes. And that's where American Yeti came from. Uh, and, and really the goal of that platform was to always just see what it would be like to build um, more of a community, right, Drew? Yeah, community, kind of just more like an information site. Um, more, yeah, basically just a community, uh, creating a place where we can publish content um, and kind of interact directly with people. Um yeah, we just leveraged kind of the context that you had out in Utah, and uh, Matt opens a beer. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we uh, that's actually where we met Matt because Matt, um, yeah, you had just moved out to Colorado, I believe. Although uh, I, I we, did meet him before that. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a story for another yeah. day. Um. I guess that, that's where I kind of came in, came in as a writer. Fast forward to 2014, we are taking a break from American Yeti. I'm still in Colorado at that point, moved back in 2015. And I believe, Josh, that is where we rekindled our working relationship. Uh, that's true. That's true. Drew included. Yeah, so so we took some time off, and really during this period of time, we all were thinking about starting some sort of new version of Ready Eddie. Mm-hmm. We just weren't completely sure of what that would be. And specifically for me and Drew, with having the past failures with my ski profile, Ready Eddie 1.0, 
an American Yeti, we realized, wow, this is really freaking difficult to start a business, let alone in the outdoor space. So what if we created some sort of community that helped showcase and uplift businesses, startups in the outdoor lifestyle and travel space? Marketing expenses to actually get your name out there on someone else's platform, like one of the bigger companies, it's it's pricey. It's, it's stupid expensive. It is thousands upon thousands of dollars for kind of like a half-hearted shout out in an email. Like yeah. that is the reality of it. it. No, it is. And you don't you yeah. don't really get anything for it. You know what I mean? They're just like, hey, you want to be sponsored on a newsletter and you'll get this tiny little spot and you might get a few clicks, but well, it'll be three thousand dollars. But this is this yeah. is en- essentially the problem we wanted to solve for for businesses. Yeah. And that's that's where Red Yeti came from. And obviously, if you're listening to this, you probably have an idea of what we do. Um, so yeah, that that's really what kicked everything off, and we started it in at the end of 2015, and it's been two and a half years at this point. So March 1st, 2016, right? 17, 18. Yeah, was our technically the first time we ever launched a giveaway, and the first. Time that we really published what we were trying to do. What has been the hardest part about building all, not just Ready Yeti, but all these brands across the board? Is there any consistency to, you know, roadblocks or anything that you've found stuck with you throughout the process here? Um, so before Ready Yeti, I think that the hardest thing was actually what the current version of Ready Yeti is solving for small business. And that was kind of getting your business out there and marketing. Um, like we mentioned before, um, if you wanted to be featured in one of the big publications uh, and you wanted to be in their newsletter, it could cost you $1,000 to get 100 clicks or something like that. Whereas with what Ready Yeti now, it's not very much money and it's a lot of clicks. Um, so th- I think that was probably the biggest or the most difficult thing that we dealt with um, before the current version of Ready Yeti. Now it's really just scaling. Uh, it's finding ways to scale our marketing, um, scale our business, our website, all of our services, our email marketing platform. Um, the more subscribers we have, the more traffic we get, the more complicated that problem becomes. What's the best part about running Ready Yeti? Some of the cool stuff I see is like kind of in the Facebook group and stuff like that, seeing people who are buying stuff uh, from small companies that they wouldn't have bought something from before finding out about Ready Yeti and loving the product. Uh, I think that is the most rewarding part of uh, having started Ready Yeti. Whether it's a set of trekking poles or a hammock, uh, when people get excited about the gear that they're buying and they couldn't have gotten it at uh, REI. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the best part. Yeah. Honestly, one of the pieces of that is we're kind of surprised what products sell (laughs) like really, really well. You know what I'm saying? Like when we bring on a brand, which has been very, very interesting. Um, but to add on Drew's point for me, one of the most, um, exciting parts about Ready Yeti is the number of people that we've met through building Ready Eddie, really just the founders of all the different startups because they're located all over the, the world and they've got some pretty incredible stories and they're just really cool people. And then on top of that, obviously, are the community members 
Um, we've gotten to know a lot of you, like a Facebook message, like a handful of you on a pretty regular basis. You know who you are. Um, <laughs> pointing out whether it's a bug or like something cool that they discovered or something just random. It's just a nice um, feeling to know that on the side of the business, you know, we're meeting really cool people and helping them build their business. And on the, con- on the consumer side, we're helping people discover brands that they never heard of. And that's just a really fun part of the uh, of the business and it makes it all so worth it you guys nailed it that's i mean everything i would have said and more all right well that pretty much wraps up our 100th episode i just wanted to thank everyone listening um if you haven't already leave a comment give us a review on itunes or whatever medium you're using to listen to this episode it really really sincerely does help um yeah from here on out we're going to be resuming normal episodes interviewing some pretty cool founders from uh, other innovative startups coming out of the pipeline. Keep a lookout for our next giveaway. It's a travel themed giveaway. We're going to be giving away a trip to somewhere uh, that's TBD. Thanks so much guys for coming on and we'll talk to you guys next week. That's a wrap. Bye. Okay. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Day Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.